Welcome to the Purple Fish Podcast. This is Mark Wilson, and today we're going to be looking at vital statistics, assessing different uh, vital signs or statistical things um, that, that matter uh, for a church. Now, of course, statistics aren't everything, um, but they tell us something. Like if you go to the doctor for a physical, they do blood work, they take your blood pressure and stuff like that. They weigh you and they take your height measurements. And those things don't say, for instance, whether you are emotionally healthy or whether you're spiritually healthy, but they do give certain kinds of indicators of health, or there might be some issues that you want to look at if the statistics are out of whack. And there are certain ratios, for instance, if you have too high a blood pressure or blood sugar. And, and the same thing goes with, with churches. There are uh, some statistics that you can look at that you can assess. And so like I'm in academia now, and assessment is a part of the, the bailiwig uh, being uh, an, an academic and, and so they teach us how to assess things and we look at programs and student outcomes and all those kind of things. And, and churches uh, need to do that too. And basically the assessments that uh, we've given to churches um, are, are nickels and noses, right? So how many people show up on Sunday morning and how much do they give in the offering plate? But uh, there's a whole lot more than that. And certainly um, a spiritual assessment is difficult. It's very subjective. And so these um, things that I'm talking about today are, aren't as subjective. They're, they're more just actual numerical kinds of things that you want to look at that might indicate something, that might tell you something. So for instance, one, one assessment to look at, one statistic to look at is how many people have you baptized compared to how many people are attending the church. So not just how many people come to the church, but how many new people are getting baptized. And so um, like we, I've analyzed this, the, uh, the baptism to attendance ratios for the last few years within my tribe, the, the Wesleyan church. And uh, most years it's been on like about one to 20 that it takes like 20 Wesleyans to baptize one person. Like how many Wesleyans does it take to baptize a new believer? And it ends up, the, I wrote an article about that a couple of years ago. It takes 22 Wesleyans to baptize somebody. Now, post-COVID, that's been interesting. This past year, which is the first year coming out of COVID, uh, we had a fabulous baptism ratio, one to 17, one to 17. And that's fantastic. I would say a one to 10 is, is really, really, really good. And a one to 15 is something that you'd hope to strive for within your church if you can. Um, but, but uh, the, the Wesleyans did pretty well this year. And now maybe that's because they were catching up on all the baptisms um, that didn't get done, you know, a couple of years before that. Um, but nevertheless, look at how many people were baptized to how many people are coming. Another um, place to look is your, your attendance to your seating capacity. Now, this is a particularly uh, important issue for churches that are thriving and growing. And um, you, you might have heard the, the adage that 80% full is full, the 80% rule, that if the church is 80% full, then the, the, you should put out a no vacancy sign because it's uncomfortably full. 
And what I've seen um, since COVID in particular, and, and this was true for rural churches before COVID, I think it's true now for all churches everywhere, that it's more along the lines of six or 70%. 70% is full and not, not 80%. And so basically what that means is if you're going over 70% in your, in your sanctuary or in your auditorium, you need to be thinking about what can we do to add another service or to expand the auditorium or do something else. Um, of course, doing multiple services is the cheapest way because it's free space, uh, whereas a building program will cost you a whole lot. But see, the worst scenario is uncomfortably empty. So a church that would be less than 30% in the in the sanctuary seats, let's say it seats um, you know, a, a couple hundred and you have less than 60 people in there, it just kind of rolls around. Um, and the 80% rule for sure works there. If you have like 20 people in a sanctuary that seats 100, it feels like something's definitely wrong. And, and, and a newcomer coming into that, it just feels awkwardly empty. Um, and then there's, there's comfortably empty, which goes beyond that 30% or so. It becomes, it gets empty, it's kind of empty, but it's comfortably empty. And then you have comfortably full, and then you have uncomfortably full. And when it goes past 70%, it becomes uncomfortably full. And the, the worst case scenario was uncomfortably empty. But I would suggest that the second worst case scenario is uncomfortably full. So if you have a, a good problem, having lots and lots of people, you, you can get by with uncomfortably full for a little while, as long as there's a plan, and people see that you're going to do something to remedy that. The uncomfortably full also applies to parking spaces. And I would say, again, it's 75 to maybe 80%. 75 would be um, better on that. Uh, like if it's past that, you're becoming uncomfortably full. Nothing more frustrating than driving around a parking lot, trying to find a parking space and not being able to find one. And the way you can assess if you're doing parking or adding parking is there there probably should be a one parking space for every 1.5 to 2, between 1.5 and 2 people. So one thing you could do sometimes is have your ushers look count your people and then go out and count the, the number of cars and then and then add that out and think, okay, and, and I do I have another 25% beyond that? Um, and, and that will tell you um, whether or not you need to deal with your your parking. Another statistic to look at is how many volunteers per attendee. And the rule of thumb is one person serving, one volunteer for every five attendees. So every five people attending, you got one person serving. Now, what this means is uh, one way that you can uh, easily, simply increase your worship attendance is by increasing the number of people who are helping to put on the worship attendance. So for instance, if you have a choir, uh, then all those people are going to come and they're going to bring their families with them. If you have, instead of two ushers, you end up having four ushers, then those four ushers and their families will show up. Now it takes work. And I think the biggest reason why this doesn't happen is because it takes a lot of work to manage teams of volunteers. But the more volunteers you have, the more people you're going to have. And I would suggest that you give people jobs. That, that's the simplest, easiest way to do it. Um, along that same line, if you think about Sunday school, it's one, one to uh, 10, generally speaking, the number of uh, a Sunday school 
that like attendees, the people that are involved in a Sunday school, um, to the number of of workers or, or or classes that you happen to have. Elmer Towns talked about this, and this is particularly true in Sunday school-centered churches. Some churches are more small group oriented, and others are more Sunday school oriented. Usually a church is not very good in both of those. They're either doing one or the other. And so Sunday school is one way to do it. Small groups and other kinds of kids' ministry is another way to do it. But if you're talking about a Sunday morning kind of program uh, where you have people coming to it, you think in terms of 10 to 1. So so basically, if you want to add, um, you know, the, the more the more you add, the more like every one you add, you're going to add 10 more people uh, to your Sunday school. So, again, recruiting Sunday school workers and then Sunday school classes, multiplying those. Here's an example. I used to have, years ago, when I first started out as a pastor, I had a Wednesday night prayer meeting Bible study. I led it, and we had about 15 people that came to it. We ended up recruiting five small group leaders that met in homes, and the homes were not in the homes of the leaders. They had to be host homes that weren't the leaders' homes. In one week, we went from 15 people to about 55 to 60 people in those groups because each one of them just started working and they all ended up having eight to 12 people in the group. Some are larger, some are smaller, but it kind of averages out to about one to, um, to, to, to 10. So, so if you want to, if you want to increase your small group attendance, increase the number of small groups that you have. And this is particularly true uh, for groups that have been around for a while. Like if you have a group that's been around for a long time, it's harder to break into that group. So when you're starting new groups, then new people will uh, be more likely to want to come and feel like they fit and they belong and they're welcome there. They're part of it. Speaking of new people coming, um, you want to look at how many new people are actually coming to your church. Are you getting any new people in the doors? And generally speaking, it takes about 25 to 30 percent of new people coming in to replace the 25 to 30 percent who are going out the back door. Like, let's say they die or they move or they they get they get mad that they go to, you know, the Baptist church down the street. <laughs> you got to got to replace those people. And and it's it's um it's about 25 to 30 percent. So, so like one question to ask is, am I getting first time visitors? And if you're not, then I would say you got to figure out a way to get some first time visitors. So what are some uh, friend day kind of things you could do or reaching out to new people kind of things that you could do? And then once they're in the door, though, that's another thing. It isn't just the first time, but but you got to get them to come back again and again and again. And, and uh, basically growing churches retain at least 20 percent of their first time visitors, 40 percent of their second time visitors and 60% of their third-time visitors. So take a look at that and see how that goes. Uh, speaking of retaining, one of the best ways to retain people is through small group relationships. Um, think about Legos, where a Lego has six different connecting points, and, and you need to have about six connecting points. Um, if, if, a, if a new person comes through and they, they can't identify six to 10 new real friends, genuine friends within a year's time, they will leave the church. I mean, statistics have proved that. And so you say, okay, well, how can we build friendships? See, people are in, they're not just looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends. And so they, they come to church 
and and you get them involved in a small group get them involved in a face-to-face kind of connecting point where they are known and loved. Now in a small church, that can happen actually on a Sunday morning where you're there with the people and they actually become your friends and you do stuff together and you enjoy life together and you do activities together. And that that can be a friend group right there. But once a church hits uh, goes beyond 50 or, or 60 kind of people, then um, you're going to need to... Um, to deal with that. Now, speaking of that, 50 or 60 um, kind of people, um, I, I looked at the median size Wesleyan church for the last report, and it's 48. So 48 is the number in the middle. And, and so half of the Wesleyan churches are bigger than 48, and half of the Wesleyan churches are smaller than 48. So if you have 49 people in your church, then you are amongst the larger Wesleyan churches. Um, so, so in a church of a 48, 49, 50 people, you can actually have the friend group be the Sunday morning worship service. But, but once it gets to like a hundred or, or, or 150, particularly 150 is the big magic number where it's too, it's too large. It's too big to be able to have that kind of friendship. So small groups become very, very important when it comes to that kind of thing. Growing churches tend to have half of their people in small groups. And and more and more these days, we're seeing actually more people going to small groups. In fact, a lot of of times these days, more people are coming to small groups in a church than they are the Sunday morning worship service. Um, That's that's a trend that seems to be happening. Now, back when uh, I was young, just starting out, um, Sunday school was the big thing. In the 1970s, I was a kid in the 70s, Sunday school was bigger than the Sunday morning worship attendance. But in the 80s, it changed, and then it became the the worship attendance bigger than Sunday school. And I'm thinking that there might be a new switch happening, maybe, where small groups actually become the place where people go regularly, and then Sunday morning worship is the hit and miss thing. In fact, we've seen this, um, that a lot of people now consider themselves regular attendees when they're showing up at church, maybe one (laughs) one time a year. Um, let me give you one more, and it's about staffing. Uh, like, when do you add your staff? And um, there, there's two different uh, schools. Uh, like, there's two different groups that have come out with different data. Uh, so, but I, so maybe we could hit the middle there somewhere. One group says it's it's a, a one full time equivalent staff for 76 people, and another says one full time equivalent staff for 86 people. Now, when I say full-time equivalent, if you have like three part-timers, that could end up one full-time equivalent. Um, but one to 76 or one to 86. So so if you just said like 80, one to 80, and kind of think along that line. Um, so if you're, if you are, um, if you're averaging 80 people, you probably can do, you can do maybe a full-time um, a lead pastor and then you're going to have to stretch to bring in maybe some part-time stuff on the side. Now you can do that, and and there are ways to do it. Uh, generally speaking, a church shouldn't be spending more than fifty percent of their their offerings and stuff on staffing. But but there are, are some exceptions to that. So if you're looking at a a staff-heavy church, then it'll probably be less on programs, 
and and you probably won't be able to have like a mortgage that you would be paying on if it's paid off and that kind of stuff and you have less programmatic expenses then then you can actually do more with the staffing side of things but think in terms of of um a 1 to 80 um i would say is a good basic rule of thumb. Now, again, I, these are rules of thumb. And so you can take them or or, or leave them. But anyway, I, I wanted to just share these things. I thought it might be helpful for you as you're doing planning and, and saying, uh, how are things going? Um, how is it really happening? And is there anything underneath the hood that we should be looking at? Um, oh, oh, I, I have another I, I forgot to, to, to mention. What percentage of your church, those that are there on a Sunday morning, are kids? What percentage would be kids? And um, it, it can go all over the map on this. It all depends on the demographics of your church. But but as a basic rule of thumb, it's it's really good if you have 25% kids. So like if it's 100% kids, what that means is you have a really great kids program, uh, but but um but but you don't have any adults, so that means you're bussing them in or something. If there are no kids, that means you're a few years away from extinction. So about 25% kids, if you are you have a youth group, um, the youth group should be about 10% of, of the Sunday morning worship attendance. Now, if it's less than that, then you have to look at it like, a, what are the demographics and why? So um, it, it could be that you're in a retirement community where that may not be possible. But but as a general rule of thumb, so let's say that you you have a full-time youth pastor and the youth group is running 5% of the Sunday morning worship attendance. You want to talk to the youth pastor and say, hey, hey, what's why, why how can we get that up? Why why are why are we so low in there? And it could be the age demographic of the whole population. And you have to think then in terms of how do we reach younger families? But um that's um that, that's a good rule of thumb as well. A youth group that's running 20% of the Sunday morning worship attendance is, is really phenomenal. And it's very rare when that happens. Well, I hope uh, that this will be helpful for you as you uh, weigh and, and categorize certain things and you look at things. Um, I, I know maybe some of these things are not what you normally would look at, but I do think it could be helpful for you. Thanks and God bless. Mm-hmm.